Okay, we started the recording. Um, so here's what'll happen. I will speak for about 25 minutes or so and give a full presentation of everything that we're looking at and uh, very specific and honest of, of what my anticipation of things looking like in the future, a little bit of the uh, how we got here, and then what some possibilities and difficulties uh, are. That takes about 25 minutes. At that point, I'll stop the recording Take a breath. <laughs> no, then we'll be available for questions, right? And I, like I said, it'll just be, we have a microphone, and as many people as want to ask questions, I'm here. Feel free to ask, I'll answer. Um, and then we are, I'm taking notes, and we are recording, so that what we'll have is when we finish um, all of these listening sessions, we will have a question and answer summary of all four churches' questions. So not only the questions that are asked here today, but this will be available after our last session as well as the recording of the overall comments, uh, not the individual people's questions because we want to protect people's privacy and not have their voice recorded and put on the internet, but the, the written recording of the questions, also the recording of my comments. So this will be available for people that couldn't make it. We'll make that available after the last session next week so that everyone has a chance to hear everything first in person, and then we'll be able to, um, to share it on the internet. Great. So, uh, like I said, I'm thinking, you know, we've been going about two hours or so. Uh, if you need to leave at any point, I won't think it's rude. If you want it to be rude, that's fine. I still won't think it's rude. No, it'll be great. Uh, but if you do need to leave, I know people are busy and have, have things they have to get to. So if you have to leave, don't worry. It's not gonna be taken in any kind of a bad way. We all have, um, we all have lives. So, all right. The, the plan, just to recap what was announced a couple weeks ago that we've all been talking about, are we have four churches here, four parishes here in the city of New Britain. Uh, St. Catherine Drexel comprised of St. Jerome Church and St. Morris Church. Holy Apostles comprised of St. John Church and St. Andrew Church. Divine Providence comprised of St. Peter Church and St. Joseph Church. And St. Francis comprised of St. Francis Church, which also covers the Catholic campus ministry at Central. And that beginning on January 1st, these four communities are going to stay four independent parishes, but they'll be united in the fact that I'll be appointed the pastor of all four. So I think a very important clarification, it stays four parishes on January 1st. There would be the goal that we could um, get the parishes together um, as one parish in the future, um, but that that has to be, that'll be further down the road. Um, what's gonna have to happen is on January 1st or January 3rd, it'll be the first business day, we're gonna have the collections from all the masses, but just as long as we're four parishes, every collection has to be counted separately and then has to be deposited in one of four different banks and you can't just be moving money between parishes and everything. So it'll be a very difficult couple months. The goal is, and I know Father John has indicated this, the goal is that by July 1st, we're able to do the business side of things to become one parish, one kind of corporate parish uh, entity, which would allow us to have one bank account, one finance council, one set of trustees, and you, you just write your check to one institution and it can be, um, it could go across the board. So, but for now, January 1st, it stays four parishes um, with one pastor. And then there'll also be an assistant priest who will be assigned. I hope that they name him within the next few weeks 
so that we can begin putting a, um, getting an idea of who it'll be. Um, but they have to see, anytime clergy assignments change, it's like a domino effect, right? So wherever he's leaving, those people need to have the chance to say goodbye to their priest and whatever happens with that. Um, this has a little bit of static. I'm gonna take the wireless. Switching over to the wireless. Okay, oh wow, that's my, there we go, much nicer. Okay, anyway, so um, one extra priest uh, being assigned as, a, as an assistant, and then as well, I don't know if you know Monsignor Frank Matera, he's actually natively from St. Morris. He recently retired, he was a pastor in Simsbury. He recently retired and he um, has as well said that he would be willing to help us out. Now he's retired, so he only will help in a limited capacity as much as he is open to and willing to, but he's been very generous um, in his offer, and so he'll be helping us as well. Father Ron Smith, the current pastor of Holy Apostles Parish, is the hospital chaplain at the Hospital of Central Connecticut New Britain campus, and so he will be replaced by Father Daniel Voitin in that capacity. Father Daniel is uh, just moved into St. Francis this week, and he's gonna be the full-time chaplain at New Britain Hospital and at Mid-State. And so that'll be being sure that the hospital ministry is well accounted for. So he'll be living with us, but he, will not, um, he won't have a role per se in the ministry in the parish. Uh, we'll also have our deacons. There's three deacons between the four parishes, so they'll be part of the team. We'll have all of the lay staff, um, everyone working for parishes on December 31st is still working for the same four parishes on January 1st. We also have a team of focused missionaries. These are young people recently graduated from college that work with the students at Central, and they do tremendous ministry. There's three of them right now. So as well, they're part of the evangelization and outreach particularly at the university. Um, now, what we need to get to is that we, with the four parishes, need to be down on January 1st having four regular-use churches, and the parameters for that are one church from each parish. Um, and that, that is, that's something that's a decision that we have to make by January 1st. Now, the other three churches, technically a church doesn't close until it's sold, right? Until a church gets sold, it's still a church, still a Catholic church. It's not, you know, it, it's not, so that it's very important. The churches that we're not using for regular worship are exactly that. They're not being used for regular parish worship. It doesn't mean that they're closed, shuttered, never ever gonna be used in a Catholic capacity ever again. Um, that would only happen if they were sold down the road, which some churches will need to be sold, uh, and we're going to talk about that in uh, a little bit later. But we need to get down to three, four regular-use churches and then three churches that won't be used for regular parish liturgies. They could be used for weddings, funerals, baptisms, and they could be used in a church capacity by other groups that are you know, bursting at the seams for space, um, but they just wouldn't be regular-use masses from the parish. So that's very important, that any of the churches we're not using on January 1st uh, are not per se closing, they're just not regularly being used by the parish for regular liturgies. Um, great, now uh, a couple important points. We have been talking about this um, as at least the, the priests of New Britain for over a year. Over a year ago, we had a meeting with some people from the Archdiocese and all of the priests of the area and that we've been talking about this for over a year, um, particularly Father John, myself, and Father Keo over at 
um, St. Peter, St. Joseph, Divine Providence Parish. We've been already kind of looking at how we can begin to come together. Right now, we all have three daily Masses between the three of us, all at 8 o'clock, and our churches are only 5 to 10 minutes from each other, right? So, I mean, just already we began looking at how can we begin working together in certain ways, because if one of us got sick in the morning... The other two couldn't help because they have their own obligations and all that. So how we've already been talking about how we could begin um, to work together. The other important uh, introductory point is this, that the four parishes, one church from each parish, um, all happening January 1st. This was not a Hartford decision. So please, um, in, in your mind, don't think this is something that the Archdiocese of Hartford and the Archbishop imposed with a hammer upon our communities. Actually not. Um, the plan as it was presented to us, uh, the potential plan as it was presented to us a year ago, is not the plan that is happening on January 1st. Uh, in fact, local collaboration into that really took effect. And so what is going to be happening January 1st is um, very much a local plan. It was the diocese saying, here's a certain parameters of what we, can, what we need to get down to, and particularly on a personnel shortage level. And we need to do what we can to make that work. But then the pastors in particular um, offered significant contributions. So the plan as it's happening is, is a real local plan in collaboration with the local pastors and what we think is, is a feasible plan. Now, like I said, at all three masses, uh, I have no choice but to be honest. One, because it's the best policy. It's the easiest to remember. And, and this, everything we're doing, we're doing with total transparency, right? Total tra it doesn't do anyone anyone good to just kind of, um, you know, shade the truth or anything like that. We got to be totally transparent. So um, here are the immediate needs. We have to get down to four churches, one church from each parish. Those are the parameters we have to work in. So... My projection of what that's going to look like is St. Francis is the only church for that parish so that there's no decision to be had there. St. John's over St. Andrew's, that was Father Smith's recommendation. Uh, St. John's is a newer property. Uh, it has more people. It has the two masses on Sunday, whereas St. Andrew's only has the one. And at the one at St. Andrew's, there is... Um, there is, there were about 36 people who were there, whereas St. John's was uh, in the hundreds, probably, probably only, no, probably in the high 90s total. But St. John's uh, being kept uh, over St. Andrew's. St. Peter or St. Joseph is a very difficult question. Actually, that's the, that is a big question mark. Um, St. Joseph is bigger, um, but it's in worse condition, right? It's, it's an older building, but it's bigger. St. Peter's is in really good condition, but it's not handicap accessible. It can fit about 250 people, and uh, there's no parking, right? So that is one where you have a, a church that can't meet uh, the universal needs because of its size and because of its lack of handicap accessibility, but it's actually in very, very good condition, whereas St. Joseph is in rougher shape but has more uh, size and accommodation. So that's one where there still is um, a bit of a question mark. Here at um, St. Catherine Drexel, it's my projection that where St. Jerome's will be the church that St. Catherine Drexel is taking into this, and that on January 1st, St. Morris would not be used for regular worship. Um, why is that? Well, first of all, among all of our seven churches, St. Catherine Drexel, uh, St. Jerome's is the biggest, right? St. Jerome's has the capacity of 750. 
We don't try to bring communities together and get more and more people and not uh, use our biggest church. It's also the newest facility probably out of all of the uh, seven churches total. Uh, as well, it's 100% handicap accessible, right? So it's, it's got the total accessibility um, for, for uh, access, uh, whereas St. Morris is a gorgeous property, right? St. Morris actually may be the nicest piece of property among the seven parishes, um, but with the amount of steps, the lack of adequate handicap parking and handicap accessibility, as well as no handicap bathrooms, um, that those are major factors that we can't, um, to, to try to say that we're gonna invest in that, uh, in St. Morris as one of the church buildings with the lack of accessibility is, is not something I'm seeing. So I, I would foresee that going forward, St. Jerome's would be the church, uh, and then St. Morris uh, would not be being used for regular worship after January 1st. Now, let me say, there is a significant amount of interest in still using St. Morris as a Catholic church, even if it's not being used per se for parish masses, which means it would be able to stay open and regular use. I know the sisters are in residence there at the convent. Uh, the school is being used, uh, and that there are a number of groups in the archdiocese that already use it, and more that have said, we need a space where we can have gatherings on Sunday, a Sunday mass, and do all these things. And so there's a real possibility that Morris can, can meet that need and that there wouldn't be the need necessarily to sell the property if we can keep it that it's not going to drain the parish resources. If we can keep it budget neutral, uh, there is the real uh, possibility and opportunity to continue to use it. And then Morris with the neighborhood all around Morris, is there a chance that maybe if some of these other, if some of the other churches are um, able to be sold or have alternative uses that maybe then a number of years down the road, something could restart at Morris, uh, particularly by starting some kind of educational outreach with school, preschool needs, something like that, and then have a parish community and a Sunday mass centered around rebuilding that community. So while it can't most likely happen January 1st, there is the possibility for what it would look like going forward. Now, mass schedule. Um, let me read you the current mass schedule, because when you read it out loud, I'm going to read it twice through just so we can see what we're looking at. The current mass schedule between our four parishes are, we have a four o'clock at Jerome, a four o'clock at Joseph, a four o'clock at John, an eight o'clock at Francis, an eight at 30 at Peter, a nine o'clock at Andrew, a nine o'clock at Morris, a 10 o'clock at Francis, a 10 o'clock at Joseph, a 10.30 at John, and an 11 o'clock at Jerome right? That is 11 masses every Sunday, every weekend, right? Eight on Sunday morning and three vigils. All the same, the vigils all the way at the same time, by the way. Let's look at the numbers at those masses as they were submitted by the parishes. Four o'clock Jerome vigil, 108 people. Four o'clock Joseph vigil, 63 people. Four o'clock John vigil, 56 people. Eight o'clock St. Francis, 68 people. 8.30 Peter, 85 people. Nine o'clock Andrew, 36 people. 9 o'clock Morris, 62 people. 10 o'clock Francis, 142 people. 10 o'clock Joseph, 120. 10.30 St. John, 39. 11 o'clock St. Jerome, 126. That's a total of 906 people total over 11 masses. Now, if you take the vigil, that's 227 people, which means that we're left with 
um, only in the 600s, high 600s, means that everybody that currently goes to Mass in one of our churches on a Sunday could actually fit maximum capacity here in St. Jerome's Church at one Mass. If you had one vigil and one Mass here at St. Jerome's, you could actually fit everybody um, just in that instead of seven properties and 11 masses. So what I'm anticipating, um, again, my projection, is that we will have only one vigil, and that vigil will most likely be here at St. Jerome's. I don't see a, a situation where the vigil is not here at St. Jerome's. Go with the biggest church, and that has the handicap accessibility um, for the one vigil mass. Um, we're going to, at the end of after the questions, we'll talk about specifics of some mass schedules, and I'm very interested in everyone's input. But my projection is one vigil, and then four masses on Sunday proper, one in each of the churches, right? So one vigil and four masses on Sunday, one in each church that we use. So Jerome would have two masses, one vigil and one of the Sundays, and the other three would just have the one Sunday mass. If we can work it out schedule-wise, my projection would be, I want to, with, three, with two priests and Monsignor helping us, I want to offer confessions before every single Mass, weekday or Sunday. So confessions could be before every Mass, weekday or Sunday. For weekday Masses, my hope would be that we'd have two weekday Masses, uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. The morning here at St. Jerome's at 8 o'clock, and then the evening at St. Francis that could catch the college population as they finish class. So the evening probably around 5.30 at St. Francis. So morning mass here at 8, um, evening mass at 5.30 at St. Francis. Again, each of those having confessions a half hour before every day. We are going to try as quickly as possible after January 1st to have a common office. We want to have one office with the staff of all four parishes working together, even though they'll technically work for four different parishes, because you need one phone number, right? You need to know who to call. And we need to, if we're scheduling mass intentions, where do you call? Do you have to schedule at the church office, at the church where the mass is going to be? We need one office. We need people working together and not reduplicating all of our efforts. Um, and we need one phone number. We need one place where you can call for an anointing. We need one place where funeral homes can call. We're anticipating having over 100 funerals a year between all four parishes. And so we need to be able to adequately schedule that. The anticipation is that that one office will be here at St. Jerome. And so the St. Jerome office is the best suited to be able to fit everybody, uh, all the staffs of the parishes. All the maintenance staffs will begin working together. There are, they've actually already started in many ways. And that, again, my, um, the plan is that the priests, the three priests in residence, will live at the St. Francis Rectory. We have the space to immediately be able to house three priests starting uh, by mid-December, if needed, to get the assistant to move some stuff in before starting January 1st. So, um, so that the, we will stay living at St. Francis where we can fit three priests without any major renovations or changes. And then uh, the office will be all here at St. Jerome's. Now, probable future. So we are going to appoint, so we have this committee which has two people from each parish which is going to finalize and offer recommendations on some of these decisions. 
starting in mid-February or early March is when we will have, will form the actual parish long-term transition team. And that will be, the reason we're waiting till mid-February or March is it's just a reality that with new schedules, different buildings, all that, some people are just not going to want to continue um, coming to Mass in any of our locations. Actually, my family did exactly this, that we have, were always St. Francis uh, Xavier par- parishioners in Waterbury. And when my home pastor retired, my parents who were driving from another town into downtown Waterbury to go to our home parish, when the pastor retired, they said, you know, there's a parish five minutes from our house and our son's a priest in another place. We're going to go to one of those and not keep driving downtown Waterbury. There are certain people that the buildings are convenient, time-wise, whatever. If that changes, there's people that are going to say, I live right next to St. Paul in Berlin. I'm probably going to go there. Or I live in Farmington right near St. Patrick's, and I may go there. And that's okay. Um, that People are totally free to go and be part of whatever community they want. So we're going to wait till mid-February or early March to form that transition team because we want anybody who doesn't want to be part of the new thing to have the freedom to say, you know, we don't want them to stick around because they're stuck on a committee, uh, but actually not have their heart in wanting to um, to stay as part of the community. So, um, and then that committee will meet once a month for a year, and that's when we'll make some of the longer-term decisions and really have the opportunity to communicate information and to have good collaboration. Um, and so that'll be starting mid-February to late March. One of the, some of the things that that committee will have to do, we are going to have to sell some buildings, right? We're going to have to sell buildings. We are right now anticipating every single time it snows, it will cost our combined parishes $10,000 per snowstorm in snow removal. We can't maintain, uh, I mean, and that's just snow removal. $10,000 gone every time it snows. Um, never mind any improvements of leaks, water damage, heating, uh, all these things we use buildings. So we're going to have to start looking to really sell some buildings. Um, we, have to, we have to get down the, the property that we are financially responsible for. Now, if that could be by being used, still owned by the parish, but being used by another community that can make it a budget-neutral thing so it doesn't cost us any money, Heating, electricity, property insurance, snow removal, lawn care, great. Like, that's what we want, right? We don't want to have to sell the churches so they become some other thing. If they can still be used as a church, let's use them as a church. And we have to be very open and honest to that. Also, there's, and part of the discussion with the transition committee, is there is no property that is ultimately indispensable, right? While St. Jerome's may be the best condition and the biggest capacity, if Stanley Black and Decker were to offer multi-million dollars for the property, we'd have to really seriously consider that, right? Now, with post-COVID, I don't think that's going to happen. But if that were to happen, we'd have to seriously consider it, which is why then the other churches would come more into play if they haven't been sold in. Same with St. Francis. If someone wants to offer a couple million dollars for that property there, well, then we would try to build a chapel for the students in some capacity so they could still have a place to go to Mass and pray and all that. And then we would all move to another campus. So that's why, um, while there's certain properties that aren't being used on January 1st that we're going to look more rigorously to sell, um, there's others that we're going to say, let's see what happens, but we can't be losing $10,000 every time it snows. That, that's, that is going to be a, a very quick financial end 
to, to this endeavor, and it's just not going to work. Um, so uh, we are going to have to look into selling buildings. We got to get down to less. So to get down to four buildings is a start, right? That's the start. That's not the end. It's not like January 1st, we're down to four buildings. Like, thank goodness we're done. We're, we're not. We're just getting started that. We really need to be down to two regular use buildings as soon as possible, right? We, we have to get down to that. Um, not immediately, but we have to start looking in what are other ways these properties can be maintained and used, hopefully for a Catholic purpose, so we can be getting down to two, um, really in a good sense. Also, with regard to the masses, part of the team, the transition team, will be that if there's any mass, any Sunday mass, that for more than a month has less than 75 people, we're going to evaluate, is this the best time and location for this mass? Right? And that maybe we say, no, it's not. So do we tinker with the schedule to try to make something more accessible? Or do we say there's just not a market for a mass at this time in this location and that we, we don't continue with it? So we have to see um, what the schedule is on January 1st may not be what the schedule is on July 1st, right? We're gonna all have to have tremendous flexibility to say what's gonna work, how are we gonna work it, uh, and what are we gonna do? Something that we're definitely not gonna do is have two masses at the same time in different locations just to use the buildings, right? That would be a nightmare. Um, there are parishes in our own diocese that do do that. Um, we can't do that. We have to plan uh, that we have two priests. And what I learned from my time in Waterbury is if you, have, you always plan for one less priest than you have, that way if someone gets sick, you're not scrambling around trying to find a substitute priest, right? If you have two priests, we need a schedule that can be covered by one priest in an emergency uh, that it wouldn't hopefully ever be the case, but that in an emergency, we can do it. And one priest can't be in two places at the same time just to keep buildings open. Uh, that's something that we can't do. So uh, that we're gonna, but we are gonna evaluate any masses less than uh, 75 people we're gonna have to consider. Now, possibilities. Uh, I really think more masses it offers us to have masses at different times, right? All of our masses right now on Sunday, eight masses, all starting within three hours of each other, right? It's going to offer us some time diversity. Also, daily masses, offering an evening daily mass will help people coming home from work to be able, if they want to go to mass on their way home from work, uh, to have that. More confessions by having confessions a half an hour before every mass, including the Sunday masses. Um, also, consolidating to see more life and more attendance. It's better to be in a full church, right? It's better, it's better to not have a full big pew all to yourself, but to be sitting next to someone that maybe you don't know and to get to know them and to build community. And that's what we want. So while it will be less buildings and less masses, there'll be more community. There'll be more chance to get to know one another and to really build that, that communal life. Um, and by working together, we're going to work smarter, not harder. So let me give you an example. Just two, having two priests at, to the same parish, there's an exponential increase in what we can do. Um, two examples of that are there was one Monday or Tuesday that I was on hospital. It was on Monday. I was on hospital duty. I was about a, 25 minutes away finishing up a meeting. I'm on my way back into town. Um, and they, um, I got a call to a nursing home, not in the St. Francis Parish bounds, that somebody was dying and needed to be anointed. I'm at least 25 minutes, a half an hour away from there. 
So I'm like, okay, I'll go there as soon as I can, but I still got to be back at St. Francis for confessions at five, but I can make it work. At the same time, I got a call to the hospital for somebody that was dying there. Um, and so I need to go to two places at once, and I'm already a half an hour away from both of them. And I still have to be at confessions at St. Francis at five. This is like 3.30 on Monday afternoon, right? So who do I, what do you do, right? So I, I called, um, the priest that the nursing home was in their territory, and I said, is there any way you can please go anoint this person? But now it's me calling, not you know, the nursing home calling, it's me calling and asking for a favor from a priest who already had his stuff that he has to do, because he's busy with whatever he has going on, and then I was able to go to the hospital and still get for the confessions, um, and it worked, but it's just like there was not two of us around. There, there's, it's, you got to call and ask a favor of someone instead of being able to say, no, there's somebody assigned who would be available and we could cover each other. The other thing I know, Father John at times has the morning mass and then multiple funerals, but because he's the pastor of the parish, he does that. And that, now, whereas I may have no funerals on a given day, but nobody wants the priest from some other church to come and say their funeral, uh, they want their priest. So by having more priests being known as our priests, it gives the opportunity to help that he's not saying three or four masses in a day, and I'm saying one, that we're actually dividing the labor in a fair and good way. So there's that. Um, difficulties, and this is, I'm finishing with this. Difficulties. We're attached to our buildings, and there's a very real sentiment to that. We love our buildings. We paid for their upkeep. A lot of times we've done some of the work ourselves. We've painted. We've, we've been there replacing stuff. We've gone to church there every Sunday of most of our lives. We're attached to our buildings. That's going to be a very real difficulty. Another difficulty is relative parish size. We, even when our seven churches, four parishes come together, we will still be the smallest parish in New Britain. Right? We, even all together, we'll have a combined total of 1,600 families. We will still be the smallest parish in New Britain, even when we're all together. Right? So even relative parish size, we're still smaller together than Sacred Heart, Holy Cross, and St. Joachim. Um, so we're gonna, it's going to take work to kind of rebuild stuff even there. And then there's a difficulty of, of a real financial difficulty. We're going to be paying to maintain a lot of properties in the short term, and that may take a real, I mean, I don't think between our collections, maybe if we're lucky we make $10,000 on a weekend between all the churches, and if it snows that week once, that's gone. That's the whole week's collection, right? Snows the second time, then now we're, we're dipping into savings just to plow the snow. Uh, and so those are some real difficulties I see going forward. So those were the majority of my comments. So at this point, I'm going to stop this recording, start a new recording. We'll send this microphone around with Lou and feel free to, again, any questions. I'm going to take notes of the questions and make a summary sheet after we finish, but I'll have the recording to be sure we get everything accurate. And then after the questions, then I would love if, you, if anyone is still able to stay to just get some ideas on the specifics of Sunday Mass schedule and what your opinions are. Actually, my opinion on what would be a good Sunday Mass schedule has changed after every single one of these sessions I've done so far because of people's good input and everything. It's just good to hear. So anyone who's willing to stay that late, um, I'm, I'm happy to have that discussion at the end. So starting stopping recording one.